0: Success at Scale, the podcast that covers business story from experienced entrepreneurs and startup founders on how to translate business ideas into business results. I'm your host, Greg Stein, and today we're going to talk with Jonathan. Jan, a really, really good friend of mine. Uh, We we spent some time together. I got to know him, and he's the founder and CEO of Super Social, which I can't wait to tell you all about. Um, But Jan. Let's just get started. Let's get right into it. Tell us about you.
1: Oh, wow. So, I mean, you know, originally from Israel, great to be here. Uh, Lived in London for five years, building my first company there, Kano. Then I met my wife, moved to New York, lived in New York for a while. And then I moved to Columbus, Ohio, where my wife is from. And so I'm in Columbus, Ohio, building a fully remote, fully distributed company called Super Social, um, which is, you know, a, a metaverse company that builds publishes and operates cutting-edge games, experiences, and virtual worlds for the metaverse, starting with the Roblox platform, uh, which is now kind of the category leader in this in new frontier of the internet. Uh, we live in Columbus with my 16-month-old baby girl, and, you know, we're we're, we're excited. Everything is good. Thank, thank God we're grateful for what we have. And I'm excited to be building this company for the past, you know, two years and a half with amazing people. And great to be here and reconnecting with you, Greg.
0: Well, that was a mouthful. So let's go back to the beginning here. You know, I first had the privilege of meeting you with with Kano. You were the co-founder of Kano. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know what that's all about, it started with a computer you build yourself and then learn to code. Uh, And and so, you know, I'm just so curious. Let's go all the way back to that. Like, how did that start? How did you get there? And, you know, what, what kind of brought you to Kano in the first place?
1: Yeah, wow, you're t- you're throwing me back a long way time back. Yeah, way back. So, you know, I mean really the the story started with um there's a there there are two things that happened. The first one that happened is that I realized that I want to build a company that creates tools that people can do something with those tools, young people. I was really always inspired by empowering young people to create to to be a the best version of themselves. And I came across this thing called the Raspberry Pi which is a single board computer now really well known in hobbyist circle and and hardware circles and it was a single board computer that essentially for $35 you could buy it and essentially do anything you want code anything you want you know some people operated their garage door using Raspberry Pi some people built like new type of specialized computing devices and you know when when I saw the Raspberry Pi and and someone who ultimately became one of my co-founders, Sol Klein, he asked me if I heard about the thing called the Raspberry Pi. I said, no, I, I haven't. And he said, well, you should check it out because you know they sold like half a million units in six months. And, and so I bought one, $35. It arrives to my house. And I was like, wait, what, what do I do with it? I, they're actually trying to get kids excited about coding by giving them a $35 single board computer that no one knows what to do with unless you're actually an engineer. And so that started a whole conversation between me and between this entrepreneur named Saul Klein. And it was abundantly clear to me that there's something there with the technology that maybe we can build around it. And then alongside that, I saw this YouTube video of this kid named Kelvin Doe, a teenager from Freetown, one of the poorest cities in the world capital of Sierra Leone in Africa. And the YouTube was basically the story of how he taught himself to be an entrepreneur by finding old electrical components in trash bins and teaching himself to build stuff with those components. And I was like, oh my God, like what if we can build a computer based on this Raspberry Pi that kids like Kelvin all over the world can get inspired to create the technology, not just consume. And then there was another guy that got excited about this idea, which accidentally happened to be, you know, Saul's cousin who was doing a master's degree in Cambridge. His name was Alex. And Saul introduced Alex and I. And I remember coming to London and we sit down in an office and we talk and basically laying the foundation for what this company could look like. And after 12 hours, basically, I told Alex that. Hey, dude, I know we don't know each other, but I actually think we should start this company together. And, you know, I'll move from Israel to to London. What do you say? And then we agreed basically to connect after a couple of days for Skype. I went back to Israel and we decided to go for it. So I called Sol and said, "So we're going to do it. I'm going to come to London and we're going to build this company. And I moved to London two months later and and Kano Computing was born with a vision of building a, a computer that anyone can build and code themselves.
0: It's insane. So, I mean, and quite a journey that, that you had along the way and, and watching it, you know, I mean, you know, fast forward all these years later, right? The, the company blew up into this this big thing. It was all over the world. So I'm curious just to rewind a little bit, like what are what are like two or three things that you learned from from this experience of getting involved in the company? You know, what were some of the challenges? What were some of the, you know, the great things that you learned?
1: Yeah, well, I would, I'll i try and kind of explain maybe and share two or three principles that I think I've learned that became important for me. So number one is just do it. <laughs> awesome. awesome. I mean, number one is like, you know, I never built a company before. I never built a computer before. I never raised capital before. I've never built supply chain in China before, I've never shipped anything on my own. I've seen it, I know I can do it. I, I've led teams, you know, I led a team of soldiers when I was 19 in the Israel Defense Forces. So intuitively I kind of felt, I I I know I'll figure it out, right? But I've never done it. And so what's the best way to do it? Just do it, right? So I, I took a flight, I believed in myself, and I said, I'm gonna build this company. Not alone, but I will build this company, right? So that's the first thing, which is like, follow your gut and your passion and like figure it out i love how um um i love how richard richard branson said right when an amazing opportunity see, finds find itself to you say yes and figure out figure it out on the go so so that's what that's one one thing i like my first principle the second principle is you are not going to learn to swim by exercising this on the on the beach right, right. Like sure, you'll, you'll get the movement, but unless you're in the water, you're not gonna learn how to do it. And so the best way to learn is by doing. And so if you don't know something, roll up your sleeve, figure it out. For example, the first version of the Kano computer, we hacked it. We didn't design anything. We didn't make anything. I literally found components and I bought all sorts of components. I flew to China to find some keyboard manufacturer who somehow believed that what we want to do makes sense and and, and I also was serious because I gave him a check and and we kind of hacked the first computer together in a really plug and play Lego like way and I I didn't know what we're doing you know I've never assembled I've never created an assembly line for a computer but in this apartment in London I put together a little assembly line and I timed it and I, I saw how long it took me to put all the components into the box together and wrap all the boxes and, and I we've learned how to do that. So, the second principle is you're 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 never gonna know how to build your company unless some of the things that the company does you actually experimented with by yourself. So that's the second principle. And then the third principle, maybe the lo- the the most important thing, is it's all about it's 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 all about people. And 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 I think there are a couple of elements to that. First and foremost, getting your partners right, shared values, shared vision, complementary skills is likely the most important decision in your life if you're an entrepreneur, aside of uh, who are you choosing as a life partner. Uh, Because this is a person or people you're going to build a company with, and you got to have that shared vision, that shared values and complementary skills. Because when the going that gets tough and it will get tough at some point, it's those shared values and shared vision that will allow you to build something together in tough times. And also the complementary skills will make sure that there is no... There are no overlaps. Everyone brings something unique to the table. Um, And then it's all about people. There is a second element, which is a lot of people who want to be entrepreneurs. They fall in love with the product and think that that's going to be the journey. That's true to some extent, but very quickly, if you're successful and you're growing, it's moving from building a product to building a company. And being a company builder or a product builder are two very different things. And so make sure you really get excited about the prospect of building a company, not just building a product. For example, I like to, when I talk to candidates who wanna join Supersocial, some of them gather the courage and they ask me, so what what do you actually do as the CEO of Supersocial? And I tell them, you know, the best analogy to what I do is, if you think of Supersocial as a product, I'm the product manager of Supersocial. That is my product. Oh, okay, yeah, I I get it. Because people can resonate with a product manager role rather than a CEO role, because most people haven't done that. And so make sure that you fall in love with being the product manager when the product is the company. Um, and and I think that means you need to constantly think about who are the most incredible people, the most talented people that I can find and bring on board and get them excited about the vision and let them come and be the ver- best version of themselves in the company we're building. Because your success as a founder, as a CEO, as an entrepreneur, ultimately will depend 100% on, on the talent you're bringing because the execution of the company is going to come through the people not through you and your vision needs to be translated to the people and the people will make the magic. And, and if you do that right, you get a chance to build something huge and and, and durable.
0: I, I absolutely love that. You know, what's funny about that is, you know, I, I hear time and time again, founders that fall in love with their product to the point where they can't see the, the company. There's a big danger in that. Right. But there is something magical about what you're saying. And it actually translates on every single one of these podcasts that I do every single time it comes back to the same thing. It comes back to purpose, uh, people, passion, and, oh yeah, there's this thing called the product too. Right. And usually, usually that's the last thing we talk about on the podcast, but I love that you're kind of bringing that to the forefront first, right? Because, you know, being a, a CEO means that you're you're a super product manager. Uh in your case, you're a super social product manager. But uh, you know, let, let's come back to super social. So let's let's rewind for a second. You got Kano you 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 doing all this stuff you had this great success story and then you went on to do some other things what brought you to the metaverse like what what brought you to roblox how did that translate
1: you know i think the journey of starting super social in a way indirectly started when i started kano in 2012 mm-hmm. um it's been a 10 year journey and the reason i'm mentioning that is because when we started kano It was also the beginning of these new phenomena called Roblox, Minecraft, right? If you remember 2012, 2013, this is when Minecraft exploded as the number one video game, modding and community and social experience in 3D virtual world, started to really become a massive phenomena for young people. I mean, until today, it's the best selling video game on its own in the world in history. And then Roblox also started to pick up 2014, 2015, you started to see the flywheel of developers, of players becoming developers who are building content for other players. And so that flywheel that is now massive and gigantic and cemented Roblox's position as a category leader in this new category was really starting to accelerate in 2013, 14, 15, and building Kano for young people age mostly 16 to 18. I had a chance to be at at the at the front to have a front row seat to seeing the evolution of 3D virtual world as the primary destination for this new young people who are now 20, 22, 24, 25, and so. Now accelerating, you know, fast forward to 2020, um, you know, COVID arrives, I'm working on this VR company called Codo Interactive and COVID arrived. And I remember driving from New York to Miami, uh, to Columbus, Ohio, because my wife and I decided to stay with her, with my in-laws in Columbus, Ohio during COVID. And on the way, I'm I'm kind of, I'm starting to see the dots connecting. It's like the acceleration of Roblox and, and Minecraft 3D virtual worlds becoming more than just for gamers and for kids. Uh, COVID. There's going to be a, a bunch of billions of people who are going to be locked in their homes because of COVID. Um, okay, now what 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 does that mean? It's like you know, physical stuff is going to go down. So what does that mean for my company? Sure. And 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 then all these dots connected. And 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 the last piece alongside virtual worlds in three D becoming kind of a bigger and more important modality of user experience on the internet, quote unquote, the metaverse. As people call it right the network of interoperable virtual worlds, but regardless of the metaverse, it was clear that we're going to see an acceleration of people spending time in virtual spaces. Could be Zoom on 2D or could be virtual worlds in 3D. And I kind of believed that that was the right timing for starting to bet on that. And I was already looking at I was already working on something in VR, and I wanted to pivot my previous company to work on SuperSocial. Um, basically saying let's let's let let's pivot the company from just VR content to let's look at the metaverse as a broader category and if Roblox is the first primary player in the space, we should start with Roblox. That's let's cool. bet on Roblox to yeah. begin with because the usage was there. I mean, when we started Super Social, Roblox had like 22, 25 million daily active users. Now it's almost 60. And so obviously we've made the right bet, but I'm talking about March, April, May, 2020. Very few people thought of Roblox, very few people thought of anything serious of Roblox. People still called it a game for kids. Very few people, even fewer, even was conceiving how does Roblox fit into the wider metaverse narrative. And so I felt that that was the right timing to get into the Roblox platform and start building things that are relevant to where the Internet is going as a social 3D real time presence, where people are going to express themselves through 3D avatars in in these hyper social platforms.
0: This is a wild, wild story here. Right. So not everybody is as switched on as you are into the into the metaverse and into all this technology. I'm curious, you know, where we are today, just your opinion, where we are today and where things are going, right? Like, you know, just from a technology perspective and, you know, you just read all these headlines, there's so many different moving parts. It also seems like there's a huge part of the market that's all focused on one area, right? Um, so I'm just kind of curious, where, where do you think we are and where do you think we're going?
1: It's a great question. I mean, it's hard to say where, where, when, when we're gonna be, where we're gonna be with where we hope to get. But I'll start with where I think we are. I think where we are is in a very early stage. I would say we're likely where the internet was in the you know in in the in the early 2000s, right? I think what happened uh Facebook came, My, MySpace, um you had uh YouTube and then you had Instagram, right? So those those 5-7 years, those 2004 to 2010 Those were really fundamental years of how the web has evolved into Web 2.0 and social media, right? You had Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, basically all born in that 2005, 2010 period of time. That's right. And so I think we're in the very early stages of that. Now we already have platforms that have been been born. Like Roblox uh, was founded in 2007. This is not a new company. Roblox was actually founded in the same time as those other companies. Right. Epic Games, that is the owners of the Unreal Engine and operates Fortnite. This is a company that is like 30 years old company. Right. But I think because of the scale of what the metaverse needs to become, a network of interoperable, massively scaled virtual world that are persistent, where you carry your identity with you, a lot of the infrastructure for that is massive. game engines, computational power. And it's been built for a very long time. And I think we're still at the early stages, but from the experiences, from the end user experiences perspective, I think we are at a very early stage. And I would say it's where I believe social media was in those first few years of 2005, 2010. And why I think the next decade is really when I envision starting to see much more, many more use cases that goes beyond games on Roblox. Um, And I think there's also a demographical change. All of those kids that we've mentioned that were 12, 15, 16, 18, 5, 10 years ago, they're now older. And I think they are the first generation that was growing up in these 3D virtual worlds like Minecraft and, and Fortnite and, and and Roblox. And sort of they are much more these this new frontier of 3D virtual world is much more natural for them. And I think it's only going to grow, which is why I believe the next 10, 15 years, we'll see a massive behavior shift of how people spend time on the internet, because we're going to have these couple of billions of people who are below 25 years old, who grew up on platforms like that. So for them, interacting and expressing yourself as a 3D avatar is not going to be as foreign as it is to you and me, Greg, to be honest, which which is exactly how it was foreign for our parents 15 years ago to be on Facebook. Can you remember your mom on Facebook? Absolutely. 15 years no, ago? no,
0: it's hilarious. You know, idea. even the devices, right? Like you see your parents on the devices just 10 years ago or whatever. Like what? A phone? Portable? What? What is this?
1: You exactly. Know, so, so yeah. So it takes five to 10 years for, for the world to catch up on on user interfaces and user experiences that are adopted by the innovators and the early adopters. And I think when we talk about 3D virtual worlds and the metaverse at large, I think the primary audience for that at the moment is anyone below 25 years of age, Sure, but that's okay. They're gonna continue and grow and our generation and older will slowly and gradually adapt, but we're gonna be the laggards. We're not gonna be the early adopters like we've been with Facebook 15 years ago.
0: So what does that mean, though, for the world of business? I, I'm really curious, you know, to get your take, because, you know, the advent of AI, you know, many people say, oh, my God, this is going to change the the workforce and, you know, half the workforce will be out. And then, you know, others say it's it's a land of opportunity. I think you see it as a land of opportunity, but curious to get your take.
1: Well, you know, if you ask the wrong people, every every opportunity is a problem. If you ask uh, the right people, every problem Absolutely is an opportunity. <laughs> so I look at any challenge is an opportunity. Look, I, I, is there a is there a shift of human behavior? Yes. Is there a shift of workforce development? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think a lot of the jobs in the future in, in, in 10, 15, 20 years from now haven't been invented yet. And I don't think anyone knows exactly. Probably the next Chanel, Um, is a 12 year old in the bedroom at the moment who is designing some virtual goods for her avatars and we never heard of her right Right. Uh, it could well be that a completely imaginated avatar uh, will become a personality in the internet right it's already happening as well you see companies raising money for ai personalities and avatars and and so on and so forth and so there's obviously a transformation of how we experience the internet and there's a transformation with what type of content people want and there's a transformation of the workforce for a lot of different reasons because of technology I ultimately believe that these transformation will, will, will really shift the center of gravity of society. Uh, I think it's going to take time until those virtual experiences are integrated with, with IRL, with real life. But I believe that for the metaverse to emerge, it has to be connected to real life. It can't just be completely dystopian and disconnected from our real identity. Um, and I think that's where we're going to see some really phenomenal things. It could well mean that people will have two jobs. You have job in real life and then you have a a night job or a morning job that is completely focused on virtual worlds. Maybe there's going to be things that are coexisting between those two, between physical and digital, between the real and the unreal. But is there going to be an absolute paradigm shift of workforce, of human behavior? Absolutely. I think very few people actually know what it is. But I do believe that those changes are going to be dramatic over the next 10, 15 years. And they will alter what it means to be alive, what it means to live, what it means to play and work and socialize and be entertained, what it means to work. All of those things, I believe, are dramatically shifting over the next 10, 15 years, which I think is why there's so much uncertainty that people are, are you know, find it hard to relate to.
0: Uh, I couldn't agree more. All right. I got to change the topic. I got to bring you back to you. All right. What is your biggest passion? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What makes you tick?
1: You know, it's very simple. And it's every morning for the past 10 years since I became an entrepreneur and a company founder and and, and decided to build companies. Every morning I get excited about making the impossible possible. And obviously, every person has their own drive my drive is really looking at where we want to be what type of world we want to help create as a company in our cases we want to build truly groundbreaking metaverse experiences that bring people together and empower digital communities to you know express themselves in the most meaningful way and i think that my drive is to lay that vision of the world that we want to help create bring the most passionate, the most dedicated, the greatest people, the very best talent into the organization that we're building, and then creating a type of culture and an organization that allow them to be the best version of themselves and inspire them to build the best product that they've ever built. That's my drive. And I believe done right, that's ultimately what's going to the way to impact people's lives. I feel like building a company is a great vehicle for change. It's a great vehicle for making an impact on society, Um, as long as you have the right intention, the right motivation. And you can see, uh, as we're seeing in the recent weeks, it can go really wrong and really fast. And so I think I try every morning to wake up with the right intention, with a great vision that ultimately would allow me to be an authentic leader, to bring those talented people to help shape the future we want to shape. So what inspires you though? i mean at the moment i think what inspires me is to build the type of world to help create a world where you know my my baby girl can live can make friends can thrive um can enjoy herself can make friends can have a, a meaningful fulfilling life um i'm also doing it not just for her but for her entire generation i'm also doing it for the people that we're hiring i think every person we touch every, every talented person who join us that we make a dent in their lives is meaningful experience for me. And it's one of those moments where I find myself always grateful that I've had a chance to make an impact on someone else's life. And you know, at the end of the day, I think every entrepreneur needs to be arrogant enough that to, to believe that they can actually pull off their vision of the world and help create that. And And I think part of me wants to build the things I want to build now and not wait for the future. And And I'm focusing on what are we building now? What are we building today? And and how can we keep getting better every day? Because the only thing that matters is that what we do tomorrow is going to be better than what we've done today. And I believe if we do that every day, it compounds itself and ultimately will make a, a, a massive impact. And you know, I want to be able to look backwards and say, wow, you know, those peoples, we've impacted their lives with the products we've built, you know, those people, they worked for us. And here is how we've impacted their lives and their kids' lives and their families' lives. And ultimately, here is kind of the wider impact we've made around the world. And and I think it's meaningful to be able to live and make an impact.
0: So you have touched on a lot of different things altogether. You have a wonderful 360 degree view of things with these incredible values and and pillars of of just you know, really, really sh- coming from a place of strength, right? I love that. But I tell you, right now it's not easy out there, uh, and it's not easy on a lot of different levels, uh, especially in the business environment. So here's my question for you. As a founder, what are some of the biggest challenges that you face right now, and what's some practical advice you could give to a listener that might be facing some challenges right now?
1: You know, I think there's so much uncertainty that is beyond our control. And I think what I focus on, and this is why I always focus on when people ask me, what can I tell others is, all I can do is, all I can share is what I'm doing for myself and the way I deal with it. And the, the first thing I do is I stop thinking that I can control other people. I can't. I can control the markets. I can control competitors. I can control any of that so i just don't worry about that i'm not worried about the markets but i try and be conscious of what it could mean for the business so i make sure that we are being careful and thoughtful with our execution i'm not i can't control competitors so i'm not worried about their doing but i keep an eye on them so i so i'm so i'm well aware of what's happening in the landscape maybe i'm missing something maybe i can learn something maybe something I need to do differently. So I keep an eye, but I'm not worried about competitors, because I can't control what competitors do. And to be honest, I also don't know what's going in their mind, nor do I want to know, nor do I nor can I know, right. Right. And so the first thing I do is just I I let go of everything I can not control. And I put my energy and my time and my effort and my team's time on the things that are in my control, and what's in my control, who I hire, who I fire, How do I grow the team and the organization and taking care of the people that matter to us the most? How do I make sure that the people on the team are fulfilled and are doing the best work of their life that can really push the needle forward for the business? How do I make sure that we are ready if there is a downturn? How do I make sure that we have a plan B, that we are in control of our finances, that we know what's happening in the business? I focus on closing partners and and, and people who are helping us to push the business forward. I focus on the things that are in my control. And when you focus on the things that are in your control and you're ready for the things that couldn't be not in your control, but you keep an eye on what that could mean for your business, then you have a plan of what happens when things do go wrong and what does it mean when it goes wrong. But you're also focusing on the positive and pushing your business forward in the areas that you control, which is the product you build, the partners you build with and the people you hire and the way you treat those people. That's it, fully in your control.
0: That last part was, was key, the way you treat people. I, I, I find that to be a key ingredient to business success, especially when you're building teams, right? If you treat people with respect and you provide them with guidance to be successful um, and you promote their, their success rather than beat down on them <laughs> as so many uh, ineffective business leaders do, uh, that That's helpful.
1: Thoughts on that? Look, it goes back to one of the principles I shared when you asked me what have I learned uh, over the past 10 years. And, you know, I think when I say it's all about the people, it connects to that. I think it's really about making sure that you are building the type of company that you would want to work for. And, you know, you're you're the founder or the CEO. or And, you know, make sure you hire people that you would want to work with in a company. Make sure that you, I make sure that I am authentic to the values and the type of people that will thrive in the company. And those who won't thrive, I either don't hire or I let go if it comes to that. And I think at the end of the day, it, what, the only thing that matters is the way you make people feel. That's all people remember, it's the way you made them feel. And if you treat people with respect and you're genuinely trying to grow them and help them grow and you're being open and honest with them, even when things don't go the right way, then you will make sure that you're building an authentic type of leadership. And, you know, I think I've always prided myself on being an authentic leader. Uh, no BS. Uh, you know, I tell people who are interviewing at Super Social always, Super Social doesn't need a no asshole policy because we don't hire assholes. If you don't hire assholes, you don't need a, a no asshole policy, right? right? Well, if you have assholes in the company, you need to deal with them. So don't hire them in the first place. But what is an asshole? You need to define that. Yes. You need to define what doesn't fit your organization and then make sure you avoid hiring those people. And, and then treat your people with respect, grow them, show them that you really, really, really care. Because I think, again, going back to the difference between building a product, building a company, when you build a company, it's all about the people. The product is the people. Yes, the product is the reflection of the work your team is doing, and so realizing that treating people with with fairness and growing them and making them feel appreciated, or making them feel like they need to grow and giving them some, some tough love when tough love is required, that's part of just you know just just part of effective leadership and doing what's necessary to build the business. The business is not going to build itself.
0: Right. Exactly. Well said, Jonathan. All right. So let me ask you, what, what's this uh, Into the uh, Metaverse podcast you have going? Tell us about that.
1: Well, you know, I, I obviously I'm, I'm building a metaverse company. I think we're one of the first companies in the world that really focused on building in this new frontier. You know, we founded the company in June 2020, when no one else was really talking about the metaverse. And alongside that journey, I realized how much I want to learn about the metaverse and what's happening beyond my area of execution for super social. I learned how much I want to talk to more people, hear their perspectives. And I also learned how much need there is outside in the wider public to learn what the metaverse actually is. And, and I figured, well, you know, I like to talk. I, I like to talk to people <laughs> and I felt, you know what, uh, why not put together a podcast and and plus a newsletter occasionally where I can talk about the metaverse, interview people, and really the mission of Into the Metaverse is to become the leading destination to learn about the metaverse, what it means, what it is, what it could mean for businesses, for people, and how it might change the lives of all of us, uh, which led me to start the podcast. And, you know, we're now in, we crossed 30 episodes uh, and I'm really proud of that and high quality guests. its It releases every week. You know, you can go and check it out in, into metamedia.com uh, tell us your suggestions, your thoughts, and I'm very proud of what we've done and I'm doing it as, as a side passion. It's not a job, it's not a company, it's, it's, it's a podcast and I'm very proud of that and I think we're going to keep doing a lot of great content over there.
0: I love what you're doing uh, on the podcast. I love what you're doing at SuperSocial. Uh,
1: tell us a little bit more about
0: where people can find more about super social and what you're working on right now.
1: So it's super social you know first and foremost we're we're focusing on the Roblox platform we believe Roblox is a category leader in this new frontier of the internet 3D social spaces 3D virtual worlds and we're building the most groundbreaking platform-defining games, experiences, and virtual worlds on the Roblox platform. We build our own IP, original IP, and we build also partner IP. So we work with brands, consumer brands, You know, most recently with NARS Cosmetics uh, that we've established as uh, NARS Color Quest, The brand experience with launched with NARS Cosmetics was one of the best brand experiences on the Roblox platform in 2022 and the number one in beauty category. So we're very proud of what we've done with NARS Color Quest. So we're building with consumer brands, you know, an IP owners. If you want to learn more about Super Social, we're also hiring and we're growing the organization, and we're very excited about that. You can go to supersocialinc.com and you can also DM me on LinkedIn and connect with me anytime. And then if you want to listen to really the great content and amazing guests that we're bringing on the podcast, you can check out Into Meta Media, uh, where we host our podcast shows and the newsletter uh, of Into the Metaverse. And, you know, would love to hear your suggestions for guests. And again, if anything we can help, please reach out to me on DM and check it out. There's a lot of great content there.
0: Wow. I mean, this has just been uh, just an amazing conversation. Jan, you are an inspiration. You're a true business leader. I'm thankful for the opportunity to have collaborated with you and work with you, Icano. But also, uh, you know, just, just to call you a friend, man. You're, you're just an incredible guy. And uh, I can't wait to see what you do next with, uh, with Super Social. Uh, so thanks for being here today. Um, for anybody that's listening. uh, Thank you so much for being here. Uh, We, we love uh, interacting with you at success at scale with triple G ventures, where we're bringing you some of the coolest, hippest guys doing some of the craziest things on the planet right now. Uh, And uh, yeah. Hey, for anybody listening, please like share, subscribe, do all that social media, good stuff, uh, and spread the word until we speak next. Keep going. Go for it. People, passion, purpose, products, all the above, and peace.